0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hackett has the ball. Trojans in transition. Penrose is alone. They get it to Penrose.
1: Welcome to Believe in USC Basketball, everybody. My name is Aiden Berg, and today I am joined by my co-host, Christopher Penrose. Chris, how are you doing today?
0: I'm awesome. How are you doing?
1: I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, it, it seems every every week I, I end up saying the, the same thing in response to that, but USC is coming off of two more wins. Uh, I, their winning streak is up to six now uh, for, for this stretch of the season. Coming off of those two double-digit wins on the Washington road trip. Before we talk about that, though, I do want to make a few check-ins here. Just for you know, anybody who's listening who might might not know these few facts. Number one, USC is now ranked number seventeen in the AP poll, so they are really approaching that top four seed potentially uh, in the in the NCAA tournament kind of ground. I know that there's a lot of uh, basketball to be played before that time hits, but. I think that just kind of shows that this team has been really one of the best in the nation so far. So uh, they're seeing it in their ranking right now. And then the other thing I would say is uh, Evan Mobley, surprise, surprise, is the best player, but he leads the conference in rebounding and blocks per game by basically a country mile as well as field goal percentage. So, I mean, the guy is just a freaking animal. Uh, Chris, do you have any any, any thoughts on, on either of those?
0: Well, I mean, you know, the last time SC was ranked number 17 in the country, I I couldn't tell you when. Um, And to see them climb as quickly as they have, I mean, they've only been in the top 25. This is their second week now. Um, And I think we kind of talked about this last week on the show. But, you know, when you come in and you rise as quickly as as they have, you kind of wonder, well, why why weren't they in there sooner rather than later? But, you know, it's neither here nor there. Uh, They're climbing the ranks. They got... Uh, you know, a couple really, really big games at home coming up this week, and uh, kind of like what you and I were talking about before we started recording the show. You know, they're kind of they're they're going to be like an NBA team uh, th- this next week with you know basically a day or two in between some of these games, so they better be ready to play.
1: Yeah, definitely. We will get to those three upcoming uh, upcoming games that we're going to have before the next podcast that we put out in a little bit, but let's start by talking about the Washington uh, road trip that USC just went on, winning both of those games, as we said, by double digits, started with a 69 to 54 win at Washington last Thursday, and then a uh, 76 to 65 win at Washington state on Saturday. So Chris, you know, just before we get into any of that stuff too much, what was kind of your biggest takeaway from, from both of these games?
0: You know, in the beginning of both these games, SC struggled a little bit. And we'll talk about their struggles in the Washington State game. Um, But, you know, this is a tough road trip. This was always one of the tougher road trips, the Pac-12. When I played in the Pac-10, it was kind of one of the more dreaded ones. It was the longest to travel. Um, And then in between schools, uh, it was just always kind of difficult uh, to get from Seattle to Pullman, Washington, um, as we kind of talked about in the last show, there's no place to really stay in Pullman. You're either staying in Moscow, Idaho, or you're staying in Spokane, mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's kind of a funky road trip where uh, it's hard to kind of get your you know consistent shots in, especially traveling to Washington State. It's hard to get you know a day or two in that arena because you have to travel to get there, um, and it's just kind of a funky trip where you could slip up and lose a game or two.
1: Yeah, and despite that, you know, I know last week we said there's no excuse for them to lose either of these games. No excuse, uh, really, for them to to uh, for either of these games to be particularly close. I think that we were both maybe you know wanting them to win by twenty plus at at Washington, kind of like they did at home against the Huskies earlier. It it wasn't quite that, but I would say any time that you come away from as you said the toughest probably uh, road trip in in the Pac twelve just from a you know, like logistics kind of standpoint, and you come away from that with two double-digit wins, I think, you know, no matter what the caliber of the two Washington schools, that is pretty impressive.
0: I totally agree. And, you know, if you look at these games, SC still didn't really play that well. Uh, I I would say there, you know, over the last, you know, few weeks, you know, I think they're paying, they're playing at 75, 80% of their full potential as a team. And when you look through the box score, there are just certain things that are missing one game and showing up the next game. And I tell you what, if this team can put all the pieces together, they're going to be really, really dangerous and they can make some big time noise. Um, But I agree with you, you know, as as you, as, you know, coming off a big emotional win against UCLA, you're first place in the conference, you're going on the road for two tough games against teams that everyone knows and everyone says you should beat, you know, there's, there's a lot of pressure there. And if you're not a strong team mentally, you could fall apart pretty quickly on the road. So to see them go on the road, you know, maintain that first place uh, uh, lead in the PAC 12 um, and not slip up and get two double digit wins. That's big time. That's really big time. And you look at that Washington game, you know, Evan Mobley, you kind of talked about in the beginning, he, he looks like a man amongst boys. And, uh-huh. and just with that baby face, it's so funny. he have got 17 <laughs> points, four blocks, three assists, um, it, it, you know, just a monster game. And watching him work in the high post and then on the low block, Uh, passing back and forth with his brother, Isaiah, that was pretty fun to watch. And, you know, Washington, they forced Washington to go to -to man-to-man pretty early there because every time Washington would sit in that zone, SC would just carve it right up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I actually think the man-to-man threw SC off a little bit in that first half uh, because they they just weren't quite prepared for it. And Washington had to go to it sooner rather than later. And I think that contributed to some of their struggles early in that half. But as soon as they got that double-digit lead at halftime, Uh, they were in control for the rest of that game Um, i was really impressed with isaiah mobley Uh, he had a, a double double 12 points 12 rebounds seven of those rebounds were offensive and if you look in the beginning of the game it was his offensive rebounding and helping sc get those second chance shots which basically limited washington's lead and washington came out and they you know they made a bunch of threes they were playing really well they were shooting a high field goal percentage and, you know, if, if Washington was able to box out, keep Isaiah Mobley off the boards and limit SC to one and done shots, SC would have been in trouble. Um, mm-hmm. But luckily Isaiah Mobley, uh, he was a big contributor on the glass, kicking it out for extra shots, extra possessions, uh, Taj Eady, uh, you know, running the point. And we'll talk about him in that Washington state game. But, you know, a, as a team, I thought they played pretty well uh, against Washington. And, you know, you, you can't, can't gloss over that game without looking at Chavez good wins um, production off the bench, you know, 11 points in 15 minutes. Uh, He played uh, really well in the post and, you know, SC didn't fall in love with the three, which is easy to do against Washington. Uh, Mm -hmm. They really pounded the post and got it in their bigs, which thank God they did because, you know, for the first 17 minutes of that game, they were over six from the three point line. And Tajidi hit a three in the last three minutes to to give him that one, three of the game, but they did not shoot well from the three at all.
1: Definitely not. Yeah. I think, you know both of these games they they started with the defense right so both of them they held the the opponent to you know like mid 30s percent on field goals uh both games they only gave up three three pointers three of 12 in the Washington game and a pretty astounding three of 25 from three in the Washington mm-hmm. State game uh and then you know it was it was actually kind of flipped from the previous iterations of this matchup you know Quadre Green actually had a pretty good game in that in that Washington game but uh, USC really did step up against Isaac Bonton in the uh, in the Washington State game, held him to 17 points on 17 shots, which I think was kind of similar to the the Washington State game overall, 65 points on 66 field goal attempts. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's a, that was a lot of shots for, for Washington State, and, and that's something that I think USC, uh, that we've kind of harped on, is uh, cleaning up the defensive glass a little bit, uh, preventing those offensive rebounds and those extra shots. Because a team can, you know, shoot 40% as opposed to you shooting 50%, but if they take 15, you know, more shots or something like that, then the, they could still win that game very easily. So that's the main thing that I would say, you know, kind of clean up from from like the washington state game i guess especially but i I think you mentioned for washington 41 to 24 (laughs) rebounding advantage uh is is, you know what i would want to see from usc pretty much every game out there given the size and athleticism and length that they that they have on display
0: yeah and like you said with washington state that that's a lot of field goals and but you know they took a lot of threes long threes lead to long rebounds and you know Isaiah Mobley's arms only go so far right same with <laughs> right. Evan like like those those long those, those shots that come off the rim uh from distance those things will pop out there and so you know you got to have your guards crashing the glass too and i thought washington state's guards did a little bit better of a job uh you know crashing the offensive glass uh than our guys did uh boxing out uh but you know Tajidi, what a performance against washington state i mean yes. he was absolutely incredible you know 29 points 10 to 16 from the field. Um, I I felt like, especially in that first half, he could do anything he wanted. Nobody could guard him. Uh, And what I, what I think he's been doing a better job at, and this is something that my first coach at SC, Henry Bibby, always said, you know, you will play many years in the NBA if you can do this. And that's master getting to the free throw line, free throw line extended for those like mid range jump shots. And if you can hit those consistently, you're going to play in the league for a very long time. And I felt like he was able to get to those spots and his mid-range jump shot was right on point. And if you can get someone off the dribble and you can get to those spots, you're going to be unstoppable. And if he can continue to get that confidence and continue to do that, he's going to be a much needed scoring presence as SC goes through the last six games of this regular season. So Uh, Hats off to Taj. He was fantastic. You know, Evan Mobley, another huge game, 20 points, 11 rebounds, 6 blocks. I mean, I think that's one of the things that's (laughs) so underrated about, not even underrated, but I think it's not talked about as much when you look at all the block shots (gasps) that this guy has. It's absolutely incredible.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I'll I'll get back to Taj in a second because I certainly want to talk about him. But I think another thing from this Washington road trip that you saw was Evan is is making those highlight plays and those momentum plays so and those plays that I I feel like kind of can take the heart out of the opponent so when Mm -hmm. you know Ethan Anderson is coming down the lane and he throws up a lob and it looks like it's going to go over the backboard and out of bounds and Evan just rises up over like two defenders and just hammers it down like it's the easiest thing in the world that is that is not fun (laughs) as, as a defender am I am I right Chris I mean you can speak to that more than I can.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, and not only that, it's, you know, once he gets his first or second block, the other team, it changes their entire mentality about going to the rim and going to try to get layups and like driving into the paint. And, and you know, that really can mess with players' minds. And it's it, to the fact where, you know, that's another, you know, it's like a sixth man. It's just that mental aspect of him being there. Mm -hmm. um will completely change you know how the game continues on with you know the the other team trying to drive into the paint and kick and try to get layups because they will always be thinking where is he is he going to come out of nowhere is it going to be you know a highlight play again where he swats my shot into the sixth row like Mm -hmm. no one wants that to happen so it's that mental aspect too that he his presence is there that he creates it's it's incredible to watch um and then as you look at other things about this game, you know, one of the things it, it was actually very sloppy from an offensive perspective for USC. Mm-hmm. 16 turnovers and there was there were points in the game where you're just sitting there going how how is SC not up 15 points right now? It's yeah. like it was a two-point game or a three-point game and you're sitting there and it felt like it was a double digit lead and you look and it's a one possession game and going 19 of 29 from the free throw line, that's just one of those things where in a tight game, especially down the stretch here, you need to make your free throws. And, you know, Washington state at the end of the game, Isaiah Mobley was in with three minutes to go. They just go up and foul him, Mm -hmm. and they put him on the line. They, and, and luckily he made both of them. But I mean, I, I, I'm nervous that teams are going to start doing that. And in a tight game, if they start fouling our guys, putting them at the free throw line, we can't convert those free throws. It's a turnover. Um, yeah. And you just can't, you just can't have that. I mean, Enfield had to pull him out after that for a little bit. Uh, and, and once the lead grew a little bit, he put it back in, but you know, that all of a sudden one of your better rebounders turns into a liability. You can't have him on the floor because you can't make free throws. That's going to be a big time issue.
1: Yeah, very much agreed. And I think that that's uh, got to be the, the biggest concern that you have about this team is not, not just the free throw shooting, but I think the the shooting overall as a team, we said, you know, one of seven from, from three in the Washington game is not out of the question for this team, you know, on any given night. Right. And I think that they, they look great when, you know, Evan is blocking shots into the sixth row and dunking all over everyone. And Taj Ed is coming down and and doing those super smooth, like up and unders and that kind of thing. I thought uh, that play against Washington state was so cool. I I had to tweet about it, but, um, it, 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 they look great when they're doing that stuff, and you know they're they're playing great defense and all of that, and, and they find their rhythm. But if they are forced to, you know, become a, a jump shooting team for whatever reason, that's not going to be a, a game that they are are likely to win. And, and and when they play against, you know, these these better teams, if when they, when they play UCLA again, when they you know potentially get into the NCAA tournament, they're going to be playing better teams than they have played all season, and they are going to need to make their free throws. You don't beat good teams going you know shooting 60 65 percent from the free throw line especially on the on the number of attempts that they get Uh, and you know it's always good to get to the free throw line a lot but the more times that you get there and the if you're if you're shooting 60 percent, that's more points that you're leaving on the table
0: couldn't agree more and you know these games you know sc has been fortunate where they they haven't played the cream of the crop of the conference that much um and and these games are going to get a lot tighter down the stretch, especially when, you know, you're going to play against a fully loaded Stanford team now, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I mean, Stanford now, Dejon Davis is playing, Bryce Wills is playing, Zaire Williams is playing. Those are three big time guys that Stanford didn't have that first go around when SC played them. Um, and, you know, like you said, you're going to UCLA at the end of the season. You're going on one of the tougher road trips up in elevation uh, in altitude, uh, at utah and at colorado so you know the game is going to become so much more mental too where you know if you make a turnover you know don't sulk get bat you miss a free throw don't sulk get on the next one like it, it, there's going to be a lot more aspects of these games coming up that sc is going to have to really fine-tune and sharpen
1: yeah, for sure, and and let's talk about those games that that they're going to be have coming up moving forward because I think that this upcoming stretch, as we said, there's three games that USC is going to play before the next uh, our our next podcast comes out, so we're going to talk about all three of them. The first is Wednesday night against Arizona State. We're recording this on a Tuesday. Uh, but it's going to be going out on Wednesday. So if you're listening to this, it's tonight at 5 p.m. And Arizona State has been, I would say, a fairly major disappointment, uh, especially considering how vulnerable, I guess, most of the Pac-12 has been. For them to be 7-9 and, and and 4-6 and six in the Pac-12 and rank 9th in the conference, that is that is disappointing for a team that it's has crazy. as much talent as they do have. Now, that being said... They're still a very, very dangerous team because of that talent. Remy Martin in his last two games has scored thirty and twenty-three points. He's tied at the at the the top of the conference in terms of points per game. We we know what he can do, you know, especially as a as an older player and one of the, certainly one of the best scorers in the conference. And he didn't play. Uh, he was one of many Arizona State players that didn't play last time against the USC when. The Trojans won 73 to 64 uh, on January 9th, and, and that was a, a road game. So this, uh, this upcoming one is going to be a home game. But, you know, they're going to be much more at full strength than when they were missing Remy Martin and Jalen House and Jalen Graham and Tayshawn Cherry. You know, so, uh, you know, what challenges do you see Arizona State presenting for the Wednesday night game?
0: Well, it's funny because that's the one thing about Arizona State, right? It's who's going to play? I feel like they have different people out every game. Like last game against Oregon State, uh, they didn't have Bagley or or Christopher. And from what I've heard so far, they're probably not going to play Wednesday night either. But you substitute two freshmen and you bring in, you know, Remy Martin and Jalen House, who who both didn't play uh, against the Trojans that first time around. You have leadership and you have guys that can just flat out score the ball. Um, I actually think that Arizona State might play better without those freshmen. I mean, if you Mm -hmm. see, if you watch that game against Oregon state, they definitely played a little bit more like a team. Um, And, you know, I think Arizona state is, is kind of that poster child team right now of, Hey, you got these McDonald's all American big time guys coming in that, you know, they lose a couple of games and all of a sudden they're saying, Hey, I'm off to the NBA. I'm going to go get my shots. And, you know, they don't really, they don't have that team aspect. And I think, you you know, you, you put Remy Martin in there, you put Jalen house in there. Um, you know, those guys are more team oriented. They move the ball a little bit better. Um, and I think Arizona state is a, is a much scarier team with those guys in and with, with the freshmen out to be totally honest. Um, And, you know, they could just flat out score, uh, you know, Alonzo Verge jr. That guy is just instant, instant offense. He didn't Mm -hmm. play very well against the Trojans in, in Tempe. Um, and when you have those three guys on the floor at the same time, you have great defense and really good offense. And, you know, it's just one of those things where it's going to be a completely different team than what SC saw the first time. And that can be very dangerous. Usually you play a team a second time. You kind of get the look and the feel uh you know whether they're up or down whether they're kind of you know half court you know offensive minded teams this is going to be a completely different team than what sc saw in the first time around so luckily they're at home uh, but that could pose a pretty big challenge for them
1: yeah and not only does does usc not have a great look at at them from what the previous version of them was that they saw before but also arizona state is a has to be a desperate team right now at this point you know the 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 losing record Having lost to USC in the last game, they're going to be coming out in this game very, very motivated, and so you have to pick on on the uh, the major structural weaknesses that they have in their game. And this this should be a game where USC scores a lot of points, right? Arizona State is allowing seventy six point six points per game. That's not good, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and you know certainly some of that has to do with uh, you know, the younger players who might not be playing in, in this game. And, uh, you know, the older that that you get in college basketball, usually the the better you are defensively. But I guess I would just ask you how you feel USC should particularly attack Arizona state in this game offensively, you know, given what we saw from, from USC in, in the previous game, but then also factoring in what we talked about, you know, Arizona state is going to look a little bit different this time around.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's, you make an interesting point, right? Is is ASU going to come in as a desperate team, right? Um, you know, they have all these lofty expectations. They haven't performed. They're out of the tournament. The only way that they could get into the tournament is winning the PAC 12 tournament. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, they're desperate, but if you jump out on these guys early and you're physical with them and you pound them in the post and you get a 10, 13 point lead, kind of in the first, you know, 15 minutes of the game, they could will, and they, they could just kind of say, you know, the guys, this just isn't our season. Right. Um, So I think that's a team where if you jump on them early and you crush their spirit, uh, SC could end up running away with this game pretty quickly, but you know, ASU could come out and they could hit a bunch of threes and it's a back and forth game. And then it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Um, But I, I would say SC needs to be physical and they need to set the tone at the very beginning of the game try to crush their spirits right out the gate
1: yeah and and just before we move on i do want to say this does strike me as a game that could come come down to who has the better college basketball player uh so i might make that distinction because I don't think anyone would argue that Evan Mobley is the best overall basketball player that is going to play in this game. But Remy Martin on any given night can be the best player who's, who's playing in that game, especially from the way that guards can dominate, you know, the offensive flow and, and dominate the ball. So if he just comes out and has one of those days like he's had recently where he's scoring up in like the high 20s or even in the 30s, it's going to be really tough for USC to, yeah. to come out with this win. Totally agree. All right, so that's that's basically everything on Arizona State, I I, I think, and uh, we're running a little bit late here, so let's jump over to the Arizona game, which is also going to be a home one for USC on Saturday at 3 p.m. Arizona certainly having a better season than their in-state rivals, 14 and 7 overall. 8-7 in the Pac-12, though, so they're, they're ranked 6th. So every single loss that they've had this season has come in conference. So they are, uh, you know, kind of more susceptible to that. And their previous game against USC, the Trojans won 87-73 to 73 at Arizona January 7th. So that was the beginning of their Arizona road trip. And, you know, despite everything that went well for USC in that game, obviously, it's always great to win a road game against what you feel to be a competent team by, you know, 14, 15 points, somewhere in that area. Isaiah White and Evan Mobley both played really well, combining for 41 points, shot the ball really well. I don't understand exactly what happened with uh, Azoulas Tubelas. He gave them (laughs) 31 and 8. And he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He's a very good player. But against a team with the strengths of USC, you would just kind of assume, you know, a big guy wouldn't really have that kind of major impact on the game, right?
0: Yeah, you know it was interesting. I I, I rewatched that game last week, uh, and you know he his whole thing was he got good position early, right? And if you look at a lot of his post moves on the block, they were good moves, but he was he was all the way down on the block. Mm-hmm. So I think you know he runs the floor very well, and that's a very sneaky trait that he has that I think he's very good at. And he runs the floor well, and he gets his position, uh, you know, down on the block, and I think all of a sudden the Mobleys who were guarding him were all of a sudden underneath the hoop and they couldn't even believe it. He'd make a move and, and all of a sudden it's a wide open layup. Right. Um, and he, you know, he also hit some threes uh, and made seven of nine free throws and it, it just happened to be his night. Um, you know, I, I, just think, I think our bigs needed to be stronger with him. I thought he kind of, he bodied our bigs a little bit and he used his strength uh, to kind of get that positioning. I think our bigs got to make sure that he's pushed out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um and, 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 you know, if, like you said, 31 and eight for a freshman to come in and and beat up the Mobleys like that. I'm not going to say it's a fluke because I think he's a good player, but I think they're going to watch a lot of film on that and they're going to implement that in the game plan to make sure he, he doesn't get the position he wants running down the floor.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's something, you know, as a, well, I came up uh, as a quote-unquote big man. Anyway, I, I didn't end up growing to to quite that height. But it's something that you learn from, you know, when you're in you know, elementary, middle school. Is you got to run the floor, and if you can get down, you know, put your park yourself on that block, turn around, and get your guy on your back, and you're just already at the basket. That's how you get easy looks, especially you know early in the game. And once you get some of those easy baskets, right, you know, right, right near close to the hoop. He's going to step out, and, and that three-pointer looks a lot better. And he's going to be playing more aggressive, and he's going to be getting the free-throw line nine times like he did. And he's going to be hitting the glass like he did. So I, I agree with you, and I think as, as it so often comes down to in, in college basketball, which is you know, a shorter game than the NBA, uh, what is what is the, the start of the game? And, and wh- how, do, how do these teams come out, and like, how do the first few minutes go? Uh, I think can really really end up deciding this game, especially because of that big-man matchup with Tubelis.
0: Yeah. And, and also, you know, James at King who's one of their better players um, SC defensively, just, just beat him up. I mean, he went O of nine from, from the floor, which was O of five from the three point line. Everything was challenged um, and, and he had zero points. And that was one of their leading scorers throughout the season. So uh, and you know, there was no uh, Ethan Anderson. You know, mm-hmm. against these teams the first time around. So, uh, you know, Tajidi did a great job on him. Uh, you know, I think Drew Peterson got on him a little bit, and now we'll have you know EA that's going to be able to play some defense. So, I think as long as they keep those two guys contained, um, you know, they should they should be able to handle Arizona and uh, and move on to Stanford.
1: Yeah, and and just to to check in, you we know, with where Arizona is recently because uh, it's been a while since USC did see them. They're uh, they're two and four in their last six games, so they've been pretty inconsistent. I guess I would say they've lost a few close games, which you know you you can either look at that and say, well, it could have gone either way, and maybe they could be four and two in their last six, or you can look at that and say they kind of struggle uh, to to close out these games. So uh, I think. That will be that will be interesting to see if this, if this game is close when it when it comes down to it. And then I guess the other thing I would say is, Arizona isn't particularly amazing at anything, right? They have a solid advantage over their opponents in most of the categories when you look at their you know like team statistics, but it's nothing particularly crazy, right? So, I, I think that the one thing I would tee in is they can kind of batter you on the glass a little bit with that nearly like eight rebound per game per van- uh nearly an eight rebound per game advantage for them. I think you kind of saw that with the 10 offensive rebounds in the first game versus USC. So that's kind of an, an overall kind of team area that I guess I would say, you know, it, it it's, as we keep coming back to it, it so often comes down to rebounding, uh, especially for, yeah. for USC, but just in college basketball. Right.
0: Yeah. And another thing, right. Arizona can't go to the PAC 12 tournament, right. did they do a, they, they self-imposed a postseason ban, So, I mean, they only have four more games in their season and then they're done. So who knows? Like mentally, they could start checking out a little bit. This could be, you know, a team that SC jumps on, kind of like we talked about against Arizona State. You jump on them early, you kind of crush your spirits. And then they're like, okay, let's go back home and finish up with the Washington schools. And then our season's done. There's there's nothing. They're, they're not playing for a spot in any tournament.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that will end up affecting them. And since we do have so much ground to cover, let's now jump on to Stanford, who USC plays again at home on Monday at 6 p.m. Previous day was much more recent than those Arizona games. It was a 72-66 to 66 win at Stanford on February 2nd for USC. And I think that you and I were a little surprised at how close that game was given Stanford was missing, Zaire Williams, Davion Davis, Bryce Wills, three of their you know, best players, best perimeter players especially. But Stanford led for a lot of that game. USC ended up making enough plays down the stretch to to get the win. But uh, we both came away also being pr- very impressed with Jaden Delaire, especially, and also Michael O'Connell. They combined for 42. So I, I think that this is kind of similar to Arizona State, where you don't necessarily know who's playing on any given day for Stanford. Yeah. I think Zaire Williams played like 10 minutes in their most recent game, and he you know he's like their, the five-star freshman who – Uh, Everyone is, you know, picking to be, you know, like a top 10 NBA pick. So, uh, you know, do you kind of see that similarities with Arizona State and how, you know, how do they prepare for Stanford given that kind of uh, uncertainty about who's going to be out there for them?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you got to prepare for, you know, a, a fully healthy team. Right. But I mean, you know, Stanford played a bunch of games without you could argue three of their better players. And they beat UCLA when UCLA was ranked. You know they beat Arizona by by you know almost double digits. They should have beat Arizona State. Uh, they held USC to you know or they played SC really close, and then they beat. You know cal and back-to-back game. so i mean they actually played pretty darn well yeah you know with, with you know a bunch of guys that you were getting you know five ten minutes a game now becoming starters so i you know i i think that's a testament to to their coach um and the coaching staff you know and and they really implemented a more kind of team focused uh ball game and you know they weren't pushing the ball up the floor as much. They played good, solid defense for 30 seconds. And then, you know, they'd go on offense, they'd run the shot clock down and, you know, they got the defense tired and they were able to get layups and stuff. And, you know, Oscar De Silva is one of the better players in the conference. And, you know, if, if he can, if he can get his game open um, and, and you have, you know, dejon Davis and Bryce Wills coming in, they're starting to hit some threes. Zaire Williams is, you know, crashing the boards and getting dunks and bringing energy. Like this team is very, very dangerous. It's just a matter of, like you said, who's playing, how many minutes are these guys playing? And I mean, it's funny. They have three starters that are now coming off the bench for this team. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, this team makes me nervous. It definitely makes me nervous, especially, you know, I would have loved to have played these guys earlier in the year, Um, you know, having this game come, you know, towards the end of the season when they're starting to get more healthy makes me much more nervous, but uh, this is going to be a back and forth game. Uh, Stanford's very well coached. Um, You know, they have a lot of, a lot of pieces that can score Um, and, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough one and it's going to be a grind for a full 40 minutes for sure.
1: Yeah, just a few reactions to uh, to your points. Uh, I would say the good news for Stanford is they're three and one since they lost to USC uh, at the beginning of this month. The bad news is they beat Cal twice and Utah, and they got blown out by Colorado at home. So I do have my questions about just how well they are playing right now. I guess I would say just given just given the um, the level of competition that they played and the fact that the one. You know, I would I would say the t- the top of the conference is U- USC, UCLA, and Colorado in some order. And the fact that they played, you know, one of the only legitimate teams in the conference and got blown out at home does not mm-hmm. indicate well about how they are necessarily playing, given the teams that they beat. But I-, I would certainly agree that this is not the time that you want to be playing them. And then, right. you know, I- I'm also just going to be interested to see from this overall stretch that we're talking about. USC is playing the two top scorers in the conference in these in these next three games. Oscar da Silva is tied with Remy Martin at 19.2 per game. So, they just did a good job on Isaac Bonton who's actually third, so they're going through all of these guys in rapid succession here. And I would like to see, you know, a, a given, you know, the different ways obviously that Remy Martin, Isaac Bonton and Oscar da Silva score, uh how do they handle these guys who can really kind of win games n- almost on their own scoring wise?
0: Yeah, I mean, in, in, like you said, you just look at, at SC's defense past couple games, and then you look at the games coming up, you know, there's not one easy game on this schedule and it's going to take a complete team effort. And, you know, our guards are doing well uh, on other teams guards and our bigs are, are, you know, going back and forth with other bigs, but it's going to take a full team defensive effort to get through these last six games. Everyone's going to have to be working. Everyone's going to have to be, you know, the, the chatter on the court's going to have to be nonstop. You know, how are we looking at screens? How are we looking at pick and rolls? You know, everyone's going to have to be on the same page. I feel like they've been doing a pretty good job of that, um, but it's going to have to be elevated to a whole nother level uh, coming down the stretch here. And, you know, offensively, I really think that the the bench has been very consistent. Um, and, you know, Ethan Anderson, one game, uh, you know, hits five threes against UCLA and looks unstoppable and then has two points the next game right. and doesn't play well the game after that, right? There, there needs to be some sort of consistency coming off the bench. Um, and they, they just don't have that right now. They don't have anyone that's coming off the bench that's consistently giving them good minutes. I mean, one game Chavez good, good one looks like he can't be stopped on the block. The next game he picks up three fouls and, and eight minutes of play. And, uh-huh. and and is going to need a little bit more consistency. They're going to need kind of like a go-to 6 man uh, down the stretch here where they can rely on, uh, you know, someone coming off the bench and giving them, you know, 11, 12, 13 points uh, game after game.
1: And that's why I think the timing of this actually works out so well for USC because they're playing teams that I I feel, you know, they should beat all three of these teams for sure. They're not the best teams in the conference, but uh, they do present legitimate, you know, legitimate threats. And they can play up to that level that they're going to be seeing from the UCLA's, the Colorado's, whoever they might be playing in the NCAA tournament, that kind of thing. And so... Having these three games at home, I think, is a great tune-up, uh, for for the the real biggest games that they have to play, uh, especially the the Colorado and UCLA road games, and the ability to maybe try to, you know, we talked about this last week, but maybe try to get, you know, some of that more, some more consistency from you know a Drew Peterson and an Isaiah White, but also to do what you said, uh, and, and get some consistency out of the bench. I think that this is a really good time. Uh, to to try to do that because they are at home and and they have that kind of comfort level.
0: Yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree more.
1: So yeah, I think that's that's pretty much everything that we have uh, for for today's show. And you know, we're looking forward to to seeing how this game uh, or how these games end up going for for the next week. But I think it'll be certainly a very crucial stretch. I feel like we say that every week on this podcast. But you know, uh, <laughs> certainly very three very important games, especially to you know, hold up at, at home and, and see if they can kind of be hitting on all cylinders as they hit the the final portion of the, of the schedule. But like I said, yeah, that's I going mean, to do it for today's show. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Were you going to say something? I
0: was just going to say, you know, it's the dog days of the season, right? Like exactly. every game matters. I mean, not only are you playing for – you know conference standing, but you're you're playing for you know a top seed in the NCAA tournament. I mean, every game matters at this point. It doesn't matter if it's if it's a the 12th team in the Pac 12 or the second team overall, in the Pac 12. Every game is extremely important, and you got it. You just got to win.
1: Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't be dropping home games at at this point in the season when you're competing for the conference championship. That's for sure. So I couldn't agree with you more on that. And uh, looking forward to seeing how uh, how USC responds to the challenge. But that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you to everyone for listening. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere else that podcasts exist. Make sure you check out the rest of the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, thanks again for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Fight on. Fight on.